You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 273. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. Uh, Well, I haven't done a, a live recording in a while. This is my first recording from my apartment here in Stamford, Connecticut, so I thought I'd give an update on the last few weeks. Uh, of course, we're going to do a fuller update uh, and an interview with Aaron soon. Um, you know, obviously, <laughs> there's the move going on in my life. Uh, there's the new job. I've been celebrating Passover. I've been doing the no—did uh, a few seders last week, doing, doing the whole no bread thing this week. Uh, very interesting to give yourself— uh, dietary restrictions uh, rather than just uh, usually what I do, which is eat everything in front of me, which is uh, probably not a good thing. Uh, and uh, and my birthday is tomorrow. Uh, now, my takes today are going to be maybe a little controversial. I'm taking a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a cranky take today. I'm not in a cranky mood because the weather's so great out there. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I want to talk about uh, this um, uh, uh, this uh, right after my move on March 30th, I was very excited uh, to go into New York City and attend, uh, finally, a live in-person conference in New York City. I hadn't done that since, uh, uh, since well before COVID. Uh, this was called MLConf, a machine learning conference. It had talks from engineers at companies like Google, Lyft, Foursquare, uh, and Pinterest. I'll post the agenda here. Uh, it was also at 235th, which for those of you who are not in New York, that used to be one of my favorite rooftop bars, 235th. I, you know, I remember, um, you know, the wireless generation, uh, uh, the, the, when, when I was working at wireless generation, they had, uh, actually after I was working at wireless, wireless generation, they had one of their holiday parties up there, you know, at the end of the year, I thought it was all the way in 2010 or something. And then, um, you know, also, uh, you know, I went to a, a crypto event there in 2019, Crypto Stars. Uh, before 2010, I think I just went there a lot, probably a lot, probably like three or four times. Uh, yeah, when I look at Foursquare, it's like I haven't been there that much. But, you know, it's a pretty cool rooftop bar, uh, which is why I'm so upset they made such an uncool conference. I know I'm supposed to say, I know what I'm supposed to say. I'm supposed to say how awesome it was and give everyone a pat on the back, the whole machine learning community, the whole AI community. But, you know, sometimes they gotta, someone's got to point out we can do better. I'm going to be a bit of a film critic here and be brutally honest. What a freaking waste of time that was. Waste of money, too. It cost me like $400 to go down there. It was like very few people in tech and data science know how to give a halfway decent talk. And it pissed me off. It really does. So first, we're gonna uh, if we're gonna revive in-person conferences for technology, we're gonna have to shape up. And uh, hopefully, this today's episode is gonna be a better version of the conference. So unfortunately, left to their own devices, many speakers in tech uh, they take a fascinating topic and make it boring and dry. And you're supposed to do the opposite, but even work, I, even worse, I think that the, the COVID and the god-awful cultural trends in cities where we reside have exacerbated this problem. You know, if you go, if you just knew nothing about AI, if you knew nothing about machine learning, if you just went to this event and said, okay, check it out, see what's going on, this does not look like a thriving industry, which is, should be what AI is. It's like the most exciting time in AI. Everyone is talking about it. Everyone's uh, you know, uh, typing to chat GPT and, and posting their results. 
people are, there's so many controversies about it, which I'll get to in a minute. People are like, oh my God, this is moving too fast. We're going to lose our jobs. It's going to take over the world. We better stop. Everything is happening with these large language models, mid-journey, all of the images. But it seemed like if you go there, it's just like a sad, sorry, whatever's. Um, and, you know, th- yes, I've noticed this for a long time. This is one of the reasons I got into podcasting. I was like, hey, maybe I can't, Maybe it's going to be hard to be the most interesting podcaster in the world. But if I could do better than all of the, uh, all of the tech speakers out there uh, to put together, <laughs> to put together a, a show, uh, I think that's, th- th- that's a lot easier to do. So uh, as I said, most of the talks were incredibly boring with speakers just wanting to list off of all the details of their company and the infrastructure, just bullet point by bullet point without any big picture. And that's hours of most of the attendees. I tried to pay attention, but you look around, most of the attendees are just sitting there on their phones. Their companies, you know, probably most people didn't pay outright like I did. Uh, But most, I I shouldn't be like, I shouldn't be, uh, I shouldn't be proud of that. I should be like, I got, I got, uh, I got fleeced there. Their company's paid. Uh, The companies are probably like, yeah, sure, whatever. Most attendees are sitting there on their phones the whole time, you know, for for that whole day, which is, you know, what's the point? There was nothing creative or interesting there, even though, again, as I said, it's such an exciting time to be an AI. And going back to the fact that, like, take a boring topic, take a fascinating topic and make it boring, I, I'm reminded that I, I saw a talk on functional programming many years ago, over a decade ago, and I was like, oh, my God, I love functional programming so much. I hate this talk. Uh, you know, things like that are, happen all the time. And I've been to some exciting talks. I've been to some great talks uh, in in software and in AI uh, and, and in machine learning, uh, but but a lot of these weren't weren't the uh, the odds were were not great here. Uh, so yeah, uh, they think that uh, thirty minutes with list all the technical specs and details of your projects is what the audience want. Companies send, pay to send their engineers here with a thirty minute speaking slot. So you so I don't understand why all these companies. That they want to send their engineers to a 30-minute speaking slot is just to make the engineers feel important. I mean, because there was no attempt made whatsoever for storytelling or salesmanship in their presentation. I understand an engineer is not going to be at the, the height, is not going to be at the height of that. But some attempt, some attempt is all I ask. Also, they don't treat their lecture like a product. I don't know what their goal is. It's just like, yeah, then I did this, then I did that. So, um, you know. I found that when I was in New York, the meetups are generally better. The meetups that I went to, I went to the machine learning meetup, the Python meetup, um, uh, even the um, the statistical uh, meetup, math for math's sake uh, meetup. And those are generally better, first of all, because those are people who are, for some reason, they're, they're, you know, not for some reason, but those are attended kind of... Um, it's like their companies didn't send them there most of the time. So it's like people who are really interested in their subject. They're people who really want to entertain the audience. And they're like, well, everyone's coming out for me tonight. There's usually a, a smaller group of people. And even if it's like a large group of people, like if it's, hey, let's slam your Python project. People are trying to sell their Python project. Or if it's like a, it's a hack day, people want p- to get people interested. So people are, are, are really trying to sell it. And so uh, meetups were generally better. Maybe we have to do those again because almost all of them have gone you know, offline. Uh, maybe a lot of the speakers were inexperienced. Look, I understand. Uh, I'm not, you know, I, I don't necessarily think, I, I don't hold, even if I complain that the speakers are boring, I don't hold them uh, responsible individually. I hold responsible the company sending there and the 
and the um, and the group that was putting together the conference, which has been doing this for 10 years, by the way. So either they never learned in 10 years or they just kind of <laughs> uh, threw in the towel, <laughs> probably the latter. Um, but, you know, the participants didn't seem to care. They were just like, sure, great, whatever. Um, now, this is not because I'm just salty that MLConf rejected my talk on bias correction, which I covered here on the podcast in episode 218. So who cares? Uh, hey, if you want to learn about bias correction, just listen to the local maximum 218. You don't have to attend the conference. Um, it would have been nice to go in there. Uh, they, they, they couldn't check into like my background. They, you know, obviously, I just sent something. They're like, well, he's not with a company. I think that they were just looking for the big names uh, you know, to sell tickets. Um, and I no longer have the Foursquare name behind me, so that kind of sucks. I wish the local maximum, having the local maximum behind me, had the same kind of oomph in this, uh, in this crowd, but maybe not. Maybe, uh, maybe it, 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 it carries sway in, in other crowds. Um, but you know, the conference doesn't have to be like this. This is in contrast to NormConf, which I went to back in December. It was virtual. Uh, and speakers were vetted, and each one had something important to say about the practice of data science. So that's the difference between corporate product in terms of, uh, in terms of doing these uh, conferences versus an independent product, which NormConf was. You know, uh, Vicky Boykis uh, put, put on NormConf, basically, with a few other people. So it was like her, uh, <laughs> her reputation, I mean, not if she got together her people and it was bad that her reputation would be tarnished, but it's like, hey, I'm organizing this, so you kind of wanted to do a, a bad job. And I reached out to Vicky, and, she, and I, I complained about MLConf, and she said, yeah, this seems to be par for the course. I usually go to conferences to mingle with people. Uh, happy that's a possibility again. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll be get better conferences. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe it's a learning experience to me. These, these corporate ones uh, don't go there. Uh, independent ones, great. By the way, independent conference at, um, at, at, at NormConf, uh, one of the speakers there, uh, was Joel Gruss, who I had in this podcast in episode 266, uh, where his talk at Norm, NormConf was something like, what's the simplest thing you could do and why didn't you do it? Like, that is a talk that, that gets people's attention. So, and you learn a lot in that talk. You learned a lot about NLP, what the, what, what, what the best practices are. So it was, it, was, it was a nice talk, as were a lot of them at NormConf. So it's unclear what the organizers of MLConf were trying to achieve if it's the networking, then, then I, I just think we're better off organizing a data science happy hour or something, uh, which you know, I'm going to a data science day at Columbia later this month, so maybe it'll be better. So how are we going to change this um, in the future? Now that I'm in the New York area, maybe I'll go to more meetups than conferences, and I'll look for events with, with vetted speakers and keynotes. So again, Columbia Data Science Day has some speakers from universities, you know, so they're usually better speakers because they're used to speaking in front of a classroom. So maybe that will be better. And maybe I can hold an event for the podcast in New York soon. I know a lot of you listeners are in New York. And, uh, and hopefully, hopefully we'll get to do that. A few things stood out to me. Uh, Sarang Avamuthan, I hope I pronounced that right. He talked about class imbalance problems in NLP. And so that was similar to the bias correction stuff I talked about earlier since I dealt with that. And wrote that paper on it. I, I handed him a copy. Foursquare was there, the venues team, which I used to be on in 2014. Most of them were not there, so it was nice to talk about old projects with them. Uh, but the most interesting talk, I think, was by a woman named uh, Mater Haller. Uh, she did an excellent presentation on active fence content, content moderation. Uh, the talk was titled AI for Good, uh, and that's always a red flag for me. I am certain their tech could be used for evil 
And I wanted to ask a spicy question, um, but they went over time and they didn't permit questions on only this one. It was like, this is the one where there would be a, a real, we could really get into it, a real spicy back and forth. And this was the one where, and I was ready to ask a question and they were like, oh, no questions on this one, let's move on. And the other ones were like, any questions? And it would just be silence, everyone on their phone. But anyway, her main point was that content moderation is adversarial. That means that if you try to build a model to, uh, to filter out uh, certain content that people create in user-generated sites or user-generated content, then people are going to generate new content that gets around that model. So we've talked about adversarial models in the past. You know, in terms of sometimes you could use the adversarial nature of... Um, of, of you, you can use, uh, there, there's something called an adversarial algorithm where you actually have two algorithms in, a, in an arms race. So, you know, uh, so in episode 56, we talked about uh, GANs that generated adversarial models, the ones that were at the time creating fake faces. And now we have all sorts of fake images all over the place where you have one algorithm trying to figure out, okay, is this, um, was this done by a machine or was this done, uh, or is this a, a natural image and another one generating them and you kind of have them go against each other. So that's sort of the fact that you can have a machine be the adversary is you get that kind of feedback loop. And that's why we've seen such amazing, uh, um, um, uh, uh, progress in that text, but in the content, uh, in the context of content moderation, um, do we have machines that try to get against the uh, try to go against the content moderation? There are probably people who are trying to build them on the back end. I talked about this problem though five years ago, way back in episode nine, uh, when it comes to Facebook. Episode nine was called "Fixing Facebook and Lindy's Law," and I talked about I argued that the claim from Mark Zuckerberg that he was solving moderation, content moderation in five to 10 years with AI is flawed because of, uh, because it's adversarial. Cause you'll, you know, you'll, there's so many ways that people will get around your moderator. And it's been five years. It looked like Facebook has tried to solve it by basically blowing up their community and all norms of free speech. Uh, I'll have to do a real follow-up on that. Is uh, was Mark Zuckerberg's uh, uh, promises of what he would do in five to 10 years. Did that actually, uh, did that, did that actually come to fruition? I mean, it's only been five years, so maybe we'll give him a little bit more time. Uh, but we'll see what the next five bring. But uh, the speaker, Holler, she was a very good speaker, first of all. She had some really funny examples. Uh, and also, like she said, well, some of these can, you know, trigger warning at the beginning. And, you know, some of these images and, and texts are upsetting. And so that gets people. Uh, to to pay attention. So she talked about a number of different issues that come up. You know, it's all about context, whether it's code words for kind of neo-Nazi group where the code words are also used in regular speech. And so you don't want to um, censor things you shouldn't be censoring. Same with images. You know, there could be violent images, but you don't want to censor journalists who are covering a war zone, that kind of thing. And so very great talk, very good job. It all sounds well and good, but I think I now have this rule for this kind of talks, and there's always a talk on using X for good, and it's always the most evil one, every single time. In this case, I tried to get the speaker on the show, but she declined. She was nice enough not to ignore me. She, uh, she wrote a nice note saying she can't do it. Actually, she didn't write the note. She had like a, a, a secretary or someone write a note for her, so it was someone else uh, that, that I got it from, so that was really interesting. Uh, but I'm going to still make my case, uh, even though nobody from, from there is coming on the show, is that 
what they are building will be used by authoritarian regimes and evil authoritarian elements in the current Western society to suppress free speech. 100%, that's what they're building. Turns out these platforms, they don't even care too much about Nazis. They care about protecting the narrative of the powerful, um, and that's going to you know, ingratiate themselves with, with what <laughs> today's version of high society. In this case, I will defer to a recent report by uh, John Stossel called Censorship Run Amok. Uh, very well done. Uh, it's, it's like a four-minute video on YouTube. I highly recommend it. It lays out very clearly and in a very short period of time how tech companies and technology has... Uh, has been u- has been used to stifle free speech. Uh, most importantly, they've been using technology to filter out facts that are true. Now, look, you know, an open society is not all about people are allowed to put out facts that may that have to be vetted. That's the whole point. You 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 put out hypotheses, you say things, and then then we vet them. But the fact that you're putting out things that turn out to be true and filtering them out, and that happens routinely. That means there's a huge problem. Uh, so he posted uh, his examples were like how the lab leak theory of the origin of COVID was ridiculed. Which, by the way, David uh, D. Friedman has an interesting thing on Substack uh, about that now, which a Bayesian uh, analysis of the lab leak theory, which I haven't uh, read yet. But uh, that was one of them. He, he said they wouldn't report on the truth on masks or, or vaccines for that matter. And not just like wouldn't report on, but like if someone said something, they would just get banned. And they gave misinformation about the Hunter Biden laptop. I really think that when Twitter, <laughs> when Twitter bans the New York Post, that was a big turning point. Uh, in which direction, I don't know, but that was a big turning point in, in our society. Like even a big newspaper that was founded in like 1802 or whatever it was founded, but some, somewhere around there, um, is, is going to... Um, and uh, news stories that it puts out is going to get uh, banned by... Facebook and Twitter, and so, like he said something like, well, Facebook says they didn't ban it, but they were sneakier. They just suppressed it. Um, and then that story, of course, turned out to be true. It wasn't like they're like, well, New York Post made a mistake, so we've got to ban them. Even there, I don't think the New York Post should have been banned. But the New York Post is banned, and what they were saying was true. So these infamous examples aren't outliers. This seems to be the whole game now. I'm sure you come up with like pages and pages of it, like some, something like this comes out every week. Um, everybody working on content moderation just thinks it's okay to ignore this completely, maybe because they're paid to ignore it more. Maybe if they say something about this at these companies like Active, uh, Active Fence or, or, or any of these other companies that are, that are actually um, you know, doing the, the content moderation, uh, well, the, the, the leadership doesn't want to hear it. Um, except, you know, maybe Elon, you know, he's, he's Elon Musk. He's been um, criticized for, uh, you know, doing censorship in a different way. But I, I think he is, has been open to criticism. So that's been, uh, that's been really interesting. We'll see that. To quote Stossel, you know, don't let anyone say, we'll be the gatekeepers. We know what's true. They don't. Uh, or let me, uh, my, um, my intonation wasn't quite right there. Uh, what he said was, don't let anyone say, we will be the gatekeepers, we know what tr- what's true, because they don't, as in they don't know what's true. So, all right, that was the, that was one, that was like the best talk of the night, of the day, and uh, <laughs> it was totally evil, so that's funny. So what else, what else was going on at the time? This is March 30th. There was this six-month 
Pause proposed an AI, which should have been talked about at the conference. You think a conference on machine learning would talk about all of this controversy in the news. What is this? So that, uh, you, know, you go on future.life.org and see this petition. Um, the key phrase is, therefore, we call on AI labs to immediately pause for at least six months the training of AI systems more powerful than GPT-4. Um, there's a lot of risks that are cited. Uh, the big names on this are Elon Musk, of course, again, Wozniak, Steve Wozniak, Andrew Yang, uh, Yashua Bengio, this is a well-known researcher. Um, and so uh, uh, this is... Uh, this is really interesting. Uh, I don't agree with it, and a lot of researchers agree with me that it's kind of ridiculous. And by the way, they they they, they cite you know, the the, the 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 you can go on there and cite like all the look at all the risks that they cite. None of them seem particularly compelling to me, although some people tell me to take another look at that. We'll see. Uh, machine learning researchers Jan Lacoon and Andrew Ng, Andrew Ng, not Andrew Yang. Notice that Andrew Yang is the politician. Who signed, the, uh, who signed the petition saying grant a six-month pause. Andrew Ng is a machine learning researcher professor at Stanford who has an open course on machine learning. He's also opposed to this idea along with Jan LeCun. Um, a couple of reasons. One, it's going to make research go secret, which is a bad idea. It's also shooting ourselves in the foot while countries like... Uh, China, I don't know why I have to say it like that, but I feel like everyone has to say it like that now. I keeps working on this, and of course, other countries as, as well. It's just like, you know, y y you're shooting your own um, uh, 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 research team in the foot. And notice all the people who are calling for this six-month pause, they're not pausing their research. They're kind of waiting for <laughs> this to get passed or something. <laughs> like everyone in the world is going to agree to this? I, I don't think so. Uh, but there's no reason, I think, for, for us to suspect... There's no reason to suspect that we'd know anything in six months that we don't already know. Like, what, what is this? Pause for six months so we can figure out what the hell is going on. What are we going to figure out? Um, so um, uh, now the people who are saying, you know, don't, don't support this pause, they're saying that, you know, the, the risk of AI systems is when you're using them to make decisions. So it's the decisions and actions that can be regulated, not the mathematical model. Jan LeCun says we're smart enough to create this system, and he also says we're, if we're smart enough to create the system, we're, we're smart enough to design good objective functions and keep iterating on that. Um, also, to me, it sounds a lot like six months to flatten the curve, a moral panic that just springs up these days. Um, a few comments on this from Shamath, who is a... Um, I, think, I believe he's, he's a well-known Silicon Valley investor. Let me pull that up just so I... Yeah, CEO Social Capital, yeah, he's been, on, he's been on a lot of things. He tweets, another thing that came up is... This is his tweet. This is not me. Uh, if you invent a novel drug, you need the government to vet it and approve it, like, uh, approve it, the FDA, before you can commercialize it. If you invent a new mode of air travel, you need the government to vet and approve it, FAA, before you can commercialize it. If you create a new security, you need the government to vet and approve it, the SEC, before you can commercialize it. More generally, when you create things with broad societal impact, positive and negative, the government creates a layer of review and approval. All, AI will need such an oversight body. The FDA approval process seems to be the most credible and adaptive into a framework to understand how a model behaves and its counterfactual. Our political leaders need to get in front of this sooner rather than later and create some oversight before the eventual big avoidable mistakes happen and the genies are let out of the bottle. This is the most incredible 
incredibly, you know, bizarre tweet that I can think of that's like proving the opposite. I want, I would like someone to look into the, how these other things Shamath sites have worked out. How's the FDA worked out? How many people have the FDA killed? What about the SEC? The SEC just destroyed library the other day. Uh, you know, it's creating rules as it goes. It's, um, it's, it probably has been, uh, responsible for more financial loss than it's it's fixed i mean i haven't you know it's hard to quantify that uh but it seems like all of these i the faa i've got nothing i feel like uh i feel like (laughs) i'm not really attuned to what's going on at the faa Uh, but look i i feel like um you're like oh yeah there are all these agencies that are really good and fix things it's like i hear about the evils of all these agencies all the time and now you want an agency with the ai that's going to be uh, uh, stuffed with people like oh like all these people at google who are you know who who you know want ai to like police speech and want you know want, you know they they're kind of like you know looking at ai they're going to look at ai bias but they're going to kind of use it to to steer it in, into their bias I think that this is a incredibly it's just an incredibly obnoxious idea but I mean I guess this is the way things go you know the, the the powerful people with silly ideas get control over the world hopefully not so much um Pedro Domingo says uh who's another machine learning researcher I follow I like he wrote uh Master algorithm. He tongue tongue in cheek says we need to regulate word processors to ensure they're never used for nefarious purposes. Meaning that content creation tools like word processors or calculators, which is what uh, you know, an AI is a more complex version of that, are not where the problem lies. Um, and lot lots can be said about that. I'm sure we'll have many debates on that here as well. I you know if you want, I feel like. Uh, there's so many angles on which to debate this. So if you have any ideas on uh, on how we can debate it, like what topic to pick up specifically with me and Aaron or who I can have on the on the show, let me know, localmaxradio at gmail.com or join our locals at maximum.locals.com. Um, now, look, this uh, this six-month pause proposed proposal, this was going on right as we were having MLConf. You'd think people would want to talk about it. And people did want to talk about it. This is all the big news at the conference. So Google en- the Google engineer gets up. They give a whole presentation. Then they go to the Q&A. First question, what do you think about this, uh, this six-month pause? What do you think about this thing that AI researchers are, are, are talking about? To the AI researcher at Google. And they literally answered, I have no comments about that. Like, this is the one interesting topic, the two interesting topics because of the last one with the with the with content moderation. But this is like the one interesting topic that you could talk about. And the problem is, again, I don't blame the individual. The problem is that everyone is afraid to give their opinion, even high level people, even the people who we need desperately to hear opinions from. I think the questioner just wanted to get a perspective. I don't think the questioner was trying to, you know, pin pin this person down and 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 trying to get them to say something uh, uh, on the record that's going to come back to them later. But people are afraid. Perspectives are risky these days. Very scary trend for the industry and for the country, honestly. Uh, so hopefully we'll try to fight against that here in the local maximum. I, I don't know what we could do other than powering through it. <laughs> if you got any more ideas, let me know. All right, so. At the end of the conference, we get to the reception. Yes. Now, finally, for some good hors d'oeuvres, they had like many sliders. Good, but not great. But, you know, the lunch was pretty mediocre. They were kind of a sad turkey sandwich. Um, and honestly, for people who were uh, vegetarian, they kind of forgot the vegetarian options. So it was, the lunch was very mediocre. But the, the hors d'oeuvres at the end, 
they were okay. Okay, some sliders, some drinks, whatever. You're paying all when you're paying hundreds of dollars, though. I don't know. And so I started talking to some folks about the conference, uh, and, and then we talked about the technology. Uh, we, we were talking about AI. We were talking about the products we were building. Some people had recognized me from years ago. I talked to Foursquare people, so it was starting to get okay. I was like, all right, I like this networking. It's pretty good. Then, you know. Just as it started getting good, the news broke of the Trump indictment, and that's all everyone wanted to talk about. And they were all saying things like, yeah, finally got him. And also, thank God we have an adult like Joe Biden in the White House. And I was like, okay, time to go. Time to get out of this crappy conference. Um, I watched that indictment on TV a few days later. Uh, and it's like no one in New York can see that this is obviously a ploy to get rid of a political opponent, which was the exact same thing Trump was impeached for years ago. Uh, in that case, you know, there's, it's questionable whether that's really what he was trying to do. In this case, they're actually doing <laughs> what they likely falsely accused Trump of doing in 2018. So whatever, uh, you know, they may get away with it. It's sad. All New Yorkers are clueless. Um, and so I, how is this going to turn out in the long run? I don't know. I predict it will go in an unpredictable way uh, in the next few years. Um, I look forward to a time in like six years when a new generation is in politics uh, because this generation is getting way too old and it looks like the uh, the um, life expectancy, unfortunately, has been going down rather than up. I'd rather have life expectancy go up and then have this generation be there for, you know, another 10 years, which would suck, but, you know, it's better than people dying. But still, uh, I think that and actually uh, another uh, uh, there's been a bunch of things about anti-aging recently that I wanted to get to. Anyway, what am I trying to say? Our leaders are old. They're really freaking old. And like in, in five years, um, you know, the, the election of 2028 20, is not going to have this generation in it. So things will go in a predictable way. Who knows what our politics will look like? Wow. I moved to, so I kind of just slinked away from that, uh, that conference. And I was like, yeah, let's get out of here. So I moved to this area. Uh, just in time, didn't I? All right, lots more going on this week. Uh, no probability distribution of the week this week, uh, but uh, but I hope to start that again really soon. There are a lot of shifting alliances on the world stage in the U.S. dollar. It's kind of losing its status as the world reserve. Looks like countries that are historically opponents, like Saudi Arabia and Iran, Pakistan and India are, are going to China, China's orbits. I, I don't have time to cover this in depth today. I, I don't understand it as much, but uh, I'm thinking about it. It's nuts. Uh, hopefully, I can get Aaron on the show soon, and we'll get a true news update. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support The Local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and our online community at maximum.locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power. 